The goal of the Salumas podcast is simple. Take a candid, objective, and often comedic approach to the human condition. In keeping with this, the use of expletives, crude humor, and references to harsh realities are commonplace. If you find any of this to be offensive, please throw your listening device in the trash. If not, enjoy the show. And we are back for another episode of the Salumas Podcast. This is Kalu. This is Chris. This is Brandon in the background. And before I introduce our guest today, um, I'm just going to say I got a shitty sinus infection. So I sound, sound like... sound nasty, I bitch. Know, I sound like doo-doo. And if, and if I start coughing and stuff like that, or if you could... You look me, pale. Fuck off. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, wow, the lighter I get, the higher my credit score goes, too, man. Oh, my God. But, oh, uh, shit. I was going to say that if you like hear me wheezing or some shit like that on the episode. <coughs> oh, no. Just, just disregard it. Oh, no. Yeah, I can't breathe very well. I'm not touching that mic. Huh? I'm not touching that mic again. I don't think you can pass on a sinus infection. Yeah. I and don't. Not generally speaking. Don't yeah. <laughs> I just don't fuck with sick people. <laughs> yeah. All right. So today's guest is Carly. And uh, go, well, I fucked that up because I was supposed to let you do it. So please introduce yourself. Uh, my name's Carly Logan. I guess I'll say my last name too. But everyone knows now. Yeah. And why are you here? Um, I'm here to talk about um, my experience with uh, being in the church, the Church of Christ specifically, and, um, you know, what that, the impact that it had on my life, uh, maybe not for the positive, you know, like. As a woman being in the church and, you know, as leaving the church and trying to separate myself from that. Yeah. You know, how all that went and, you know, whatever else you guys ask about. (laughs) (laughs) So, yeah, today's episode is on faith and religion. And I know in our other episodes, we've had people from um, other denominations and stuff like that come and talk about uh, their stories. But I thought that would be really good to have someone who, who got away from the church. And uh, because I think that there's a lot of people like that out there, and maybe one of the things that we need to start doing to better understand all sides of it is if we can hear everyone's story, and then hopefully people who listen and other people who come on, we could all come together on something and just figure shit out. Or maybe realize that we don't need to put so much energy into trying to figure shit out. We just kind of each do our own thing. Compassion. Yeah, and, yeah. and don't hurt each other. Yeah, don't you know? don't fuck with anybody else's rights. Yeah, right. yeah. So yeah. Um, now you guys have heard all of our different uh, origin stories. Uh, so to save you know save ourselves the time. Let's just, why are you making that? Thing? Because I felt like Brandon was going to like work in a Ninja Turtle reference, yeah, or like Wolverine, you know, or some that, shit like that. Like, <laughs> I could feel it radiating yeah. off of him. Like. Yeah, I was like, Brandon, <laughs> just turn your mic off. No, no, no. And then the second son of Krypton. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but since you've all have heard all of our origin stories, I think it's just good to start with you. Let's just let's just go let's go into it and tell us. Okay. Um, I do, before I start talking about some things, I do want to just preface it by saying that, like, I'm going to speak to my experience Mm -hmm. and my experience alone. Um, I mean, which, you know, speaks to more people, but, uh, overall, I don't want to, you know, I'm not here to like 
try to convince people to leave the church. I'm not here to say like what's right or wrong. I'm just here to say like, look, this is the other side of that. Yeah. Um, you know, I'm not trying to convince anybody that they need to, you know, drop Enjoy their church, your church. And leave. <laughs> right? Yeah, but um, okay. So I guess you know, I grew up, um, started in Aurora, Illinois, which is right outside Chicago, um, and then we moved down here to Bowling Green. I was about 12 years old, um, and actually one of the bigger reasons that we moved was um the churches down here um so i come from the church of christ um which is they're very like fundamentalist um the bible is a very literal interpretation of the exact you know you're supposed to interpret it um those are the exact god's words like every single word of the bible is the exact truth that's the law that you're supposed to follow Mm -hmm. Oh, Old Testament, Old New Testament, Testament, New Testament. Now, the, New, so the Old too? Testament isn't law. The Old Testament isn't law anymore because because Christ came and the Old died. Law Covenant right. was abolished. Okay. Yes, but it's all, you know, you know, it's there for history. It's there for, um, you know, learning about you know like all the lessons that came from it, and you know the story of how you know we became Christians, as mm-hmm. we call it today. Um, And um, so the churches up north are a lot more um, strict and conservative, and I think it has a lot. That's weird. Dude, I I found it to be the the case with Jehovah's Witnesses too. Of the communities, yeah. Yeah. If you go down to Florida, even I know they're they're more liberal. Hell yeah! You when you go to a kingdom hall in Florida, they're more chill about like interacting with other religions and uh, others and their dress code and everything. Swear. what I found was like, so up north, there are not a lot of like, like in that Chicago area, there aren't a lot of churches. Like here in Bowling Green, mm-hmm. there's, I mean, I don't even know how many churches, right? That's one of the first things people ask you if you move, like mm-hmm. when you move here, they're what like, church what church you go to? You and go that's to? part of the reason why we came down here is because oh. it was so much more, even if everybody wasn't Church of Christ, you know, there weren't football practices on Wednesday nights because people went to church, you know, things yeah. like, like that's just more normal, you know, part of everybody's lives is going to church but so up north there isn't any of that and so i feel like the reaction of the church is much more um like firm kind of in response Mm -hmm. to that if that makes sense um and then so the church is down here while they're a lot more um i use the word liberal very loosely here but comparatively they're a lot more liberal than the churches up there yeah and they're a little bit more focused on the right um uh, so like Adam is the last guy you had on here, I guess. Mm-hmm. I think. Mm-hmm. He talks a lot about people missing the point. And so I felt my parents especially felt like there was a lot less of that down here, a lot less of people missing the point and actually being focused on the right things. So what were they focused on up in Chicago um, and Aurora? So the Pharisees that that's who they are. Like, yeah, it's all about being correct exactly to the letter. So like, just for example, there's one, um, hymn that we had, um, I forget what it's called, but it's about Joshua and the walls and you know, the walls you, come tumbling down. Like, for, uh... Uh, I'm not going to do that. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I think I might take a pass on that one, but, um, we had to stop singing that song because the chorus is the walls came tumbling down but the Bible says the walls fell down flat. And so we can't oh, sing this song off. anymore really? because that's not, ple- you know, like that's wrong. 
Wow. So, like, that's just an example of what, um, you know, how technical they're trying to get in, you know, what, yeah. how accurate they're trying to be well, exactly to the work. One product. of the things that I thought that you were saying, um, and, and I don't know, I, I probably cut you off, and I'm sorry. No, and I ramble a lot and kind of no, get no, my no, words no. mixed up, so you have You're to be fine. patient with that, too. You were talking about polarization, mm-hmm. and, and, sorry. You're saying, and please correct me if I'm wrong, because I, I think I sort of see a connection. I know that when you go further up north, mm-hmm. um, it's very common for people to be segregated in a way, right? Yeah. Where there is a China section, you know, there is a, like a Chinatown, there's Jamaican town, you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. There's uh, obviously like the place where predominantly black people are going to stay. Right. There's the Latino area. You mm-hmm. know what I'm saying? There's all those type of sections in, in places, especially up north. <clears throat> right. And would you say that the same thing kind of happens with religion, with denominations and stuff like that? Yeah, for sure. And I mean, I was only there until I was 12. Yeah. So like a whole lot of the... um you know, things outside of the church, you know, I can't really, yeah. you know, I wasn't like that involved in, you know, yeah, my yeah. community work, sure, that, sure. You know, but um, for sure, like, and that's kind of what the issue was, was that I was so, um, you know, like my family and the other Christians that went to my church, we were so isolated from, you know, everybody else in my schools and like all the other people around that. us because it's so, you know, rigid. so rigid and mm. so drastically different. And that's something that even down here and, you know, the hardest part about leaving was, you know, you grow up in the Church of Christ and, you know, not every single person in the Church of Christ believes this, but it's kind of like the, you know, accepted principles that if you're not part of this church, you're not right and you're going to hell. Mm-hmm. Like the Church of Christ specifically, yeah. like everything else is wrong. And like I said, not everybody believes that, but it's a pretty common and yeah. it was common in my experience and in the people I was around Sure, in the church. Well, and even growing up Jehovah's Witness, they referred to Jehovah's Witness interpretation of Scripture as the truth. Mm. Actually, being a Jehovah's Witness in general is like if somebody went out um, or was disfellowshipped and then they were brought back in, it'd be like they came back to the truth. Right. They're, they're in the truth. And then um, anybody outside of that was called worldly. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, yeah, we use some like of this, the same verbiage. That's what I like figured. Disfellowshipped. Mm-hmm. That's what we do. We do like publicly disfellowshipping people. Um, publicly. Like, yeah. Um, We're talking like, we, like the Scarlet Letter type shit. Where would, I mean, like it's, I mean, it's it's like being shunned. I mean, but in front of everyone, like mm-hmm. they bring you up and they. Um. Not everybody is there when it happens. But like, and I got around this on a technicality. Like, I haven't talked about. <laughs> You're like, I got a cold, guys. You yeah, can't that, shame me. Yeah, today. that's a whole story too. But like, so pretty much when somebody leaves the church, um, you know, they the elders get up in front of the congregation and they say like, so and so is you know no long you're they're away from the truth like they're mm-hmm. no longer living the way they're supposed to live. So for the good of the flock, we, you know, we're casting them aside. Yeah, they and would say so, that if somebody yeah. got disfellowshipped at the Kingdom Hall, they would be like, um, brother so-and-so is mm-hmm. no longer with us. And then right. they would just move on with the services. Damn. Yeah, yeah they would announce that Yeah, shit. they would usually do ours like at the end. Wow. Because it's like more somber and everybody's like... Hey, they would start you know, it sad off. Sad about it. Start <laughs> this party off right. Yeah. yeah. 
But I was never baptized, so they couldn't disfellowship me because Jehovah's Witnesses don't baptize until you're you make the conscious choice. choice to, you know, be a witness and go and like preach and stuff. Yeah, I was baptized at thirteen. Sure. And that's kind of on the later end of most kids. It like, is. There are some kids getting baptized like at eight and nine years old. Yeah. Like they know what the fuck that even yeah. means at eight or nine years old. Sure. But well, talk, um, it sorry, sounds almost more ceremonious yeah. whenever you're it baptizing is. a small child. When you baptize a teenager yeah. or somebody that's like kind of young adult, almost 20 or whatever, there's a consent kind of element to it. It's yeah. like you're going to you're coming in. Yeah. You're part of this shit, and you're agreeing to be yeah. part of this shit, and they acknowledge that a little kid isn't capable of right. making that decision. Yeah. Right. So you it's know, built into it. One of my friends, he had uh, he had gotten baptized at a later age, at like 38, 39, or something like that. And like something about that, even me with my views on religion anyway, something about that felt really nice mm-hmm. because I was just like, man, props for you for like right. just figuring your thing. And that's if that's a path you want to follow, props to you. You know what exactly. I'm saying? Exactly. Like, yeah. and I've seen the church, like even in my church, I've seen it change people's lives for the better, yeah. like undeniably. And I've seen, you know, people come in from the outside and flourish or even yeah. people that have grown up in it that are flourishing. Sure. But the thing that's the issue is that it's not something that it's not um, optional. Sure. It's not. Um, it's all or nothing. It's all or nothing. It's very all or nothing. That was a point. I forget. I think it was the one with Adam. I don't remember, but talking about people joining the church just for a sense of community. Yes, that you know, was just Adam. Being, and shout yeah. out to Adam, by the way. Yeah. That was yeah. a, that was an I enjoyed <laughs> enjoyable listening to his conversation. Yeah, I enjoyed listening to him. You know. I, I can't even like compare our two experiences because it's Man, just so because yeah. he's trying. The you can yeah. tell right. he's making a genuine effort yes. to figure things out on right. a meaningful yep. level. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah, I want I want really quick before we get into the real meat and potatoes of everything. Talk about the the happy times when you were in your church. Um, there were plenty. I mean, um, so like one positive thing from moving you know up north to down here was there are a lot more christians in our church you know like the size of our church was five times bigger down here than it was up there so i had a lot more friends sure you know so my social life as long as i was in the church um you know i always flourished with that i always you know i had close friends we did really well um there was always this really strong sense of support that i got from you know everybody like there was never any point in time where I felt like if I had some kind of issue, I couldn't call up anybody from, you know, a 500 member congregation who wouldn't drop what they were doing and come assist me. Um, Whether that was because they loved me or whether that was because that was their duty, you know, that's not for me to say, but I have theories about it. Regardless of um, other elements, like how we interpret them as positive or negative, Whenever you have that very um, strict, rigid framework, it does automatically, by default, foster a lot more community and solidarity sure. within in-group members. Yeah. Like the book that we've... And I'm sure I've mentioned it on here, Salvation on, on Sand, Sand Mountain, Mountain. Mm-hmm. that's about the um, Pentecostal mm-hmm. church, um, uh, holy holiness churches throughout the United mm-hmm. States, and how um, with those churches, which are an even 
even a step further than like you and I our right. upbringing, like taking up serpents and drinking poison and shit like that. Yeah, um, they would go to these much more um, insular mm-hmm. locations, and it tended to intensify belief systems even more as well. Yep. So there is that community and solidarity that's yeah. on the other side of that. Orthodox Jews as well. I think. Oh, they got a tight I think, community, man. I think if you were to line up. You know, religions in a very rough, you know, framework. You would have Orthodox Judaism, Jehovah's Witness, and Church of Christ on the other side of Jehovah's yeah. Witness. Sure. All right. So let's talk about what happened. Like, what? How old were you? Or was there a specific event that got you think? You know, thinking and wondering something different. Yes. So my, like I said to you, in my message. I left God. And then I left the church years after that. Interesting. Mm-hmm. So when I was 14 or 15, I was a junior in high school. And this sounds so silly, but it wasn't silly to me then. I had this boyfriend that I was like, you know, 15-year-old girl in love with, yeah. you know. And I would pray to God from the most selfless place, like, that I had. You know, I want them to be converted. Like, I want them to come to church. I want them to be saved. Like, he can break up with me. That's okay. I just want them to go to heaven, right? And um, like, was he hot? Uh, at the time, he was hot. All he right, had, but whatever. Go ahead. Go ahead. <laughs> I'm just trying to. I, we're, we're trying to find someone for our divorce episode. Oh yeah. And so I'm just trying to get you into trouble right now. Okay. So I'm just, destroy- <laughs> I'm just, I'm just I get it. I get it. <laughs> but so anyway, that didn't happen. I found out he was like smoking pot and like all this stuff that's not really bad, right? Yeah. But you know. In my mind, he's going to hell, you know, until he comes in and is baptized and is saved. And so then, you know, that relationship went south, as most high school relationships do. And that just kind of sparked this thing in me where I didn't question that, you know, the Bible was the truth. I didn't question God's omniscience, but I did start to question his goodness and um, started seeing him in a much different light than I ever had. Because of the thing with the boyfriend? Yeah, well, it was just kind of like, I asked this of you, why wouldn't you do this? Like, huh. I get, I sorry, I skipped over that part, but it was yeah. just kind of one of those things where it's like, why, you know, at the time I was like, I was doing that, I asked for this for you, mm-hmm. really, not even for me, and why wouldn't you want somebody to be saved. Like, why wouldn't you use me mm-hmm. as your, you know, instrument or however you want to phrase it to save them? Hmm. Why, why would it end up like this? Like, why would you be okay yeah. with somebody walking away from this? And which that, and that's a, this whole argument that I'm talking about now, this is my 15 year old brain. Oh yeah. So yeah, this yeah, is yeah. not like anything that I struggled with really, you know, much farther than that point or even up to the point where I left, but it's just what started everything. Mm -hmm. It's just what got me thinking about like, is God good? You know, that was my first real like doubt and question. Do you wonder with a lot of people and I'm I'm asking everyone here, um, even you, Brandon, yeah, even you, um, people that are damn Ninja Turtles, (laughs) people that are, pretty deep into their their faith. Do you think that one of the things that possibly causes problems 
is that feel or that need to to like feel like you have to bring people in like you're helping people or something like that like you're saying oh this person's gonna be in trouble like this whole savior complex if you want to call it that do you see what I'm saying? Like, do you think that well, there's some people level, that struggle? Well, on level, it's your struggle? duty. It is your okay. duty, it, especially well, uh, field service is what it's called with Jehovah's Witnesses. Well, like the you, part I was going to say, did though. Did you guys have, like, a quota? Huh? Uh, like, yeah, they were like organized AF, dog. There. That's pretty Bru- crazy. Well, I mean, they it, as far as amount of time expended, yeah. there were quotas. Well, but, I was going to say, do you think that people struggle with, like, unconsciously struggle with the the source of wanting to pull someone in like well, is it a thing that it's my faith and my duty or is it a thing like you feel like you ha- you put yourself on this like higher pedestal like i'm almost like well, what they say like white man's burden you know what i'm saying well what i think it and i and i think this is where she and i will diverge is that she said that you didn't at the time question uh his omniscience or God's omniscience, you didn't question God's existence or the Bible, um, you, but you did question God's goodness. <clears throat> See, I, I questioned the existence of God altogether very early, and it mm-hmm. was the existential crisis that was associated with that because it wasn't, to me, um, I, I, I guess everything happened at such a rudimentary level that I never got to the point where I felt like I needed to bring anybody else in because at no point did I ever feel like I had the shit figured out for myself. It was all contingent upon hope of reward, fear of punishment. You know, okay. get, you get to go to paradise earth if you're good. You go yeah. to the eternal grave if you're bad. Uh, Jehovah's Witnesses don't believe in like, you know, hellfire. They just believe in non-existence sure. as punishment. But, yeah, but no, they believe in hell for huh? sure. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 They're, they're, they're in hell. Big oh, hell. Sure, like, yeah. You can't even dance and shit, right? Like, no, I remember a sermon one time that was just exclusively about prom being sinful. Oh, because so you, you gyrating your... and no, I didn't. Doing the oh, okay. by the time I moved down here, She's yeah, <laughs> that was one of the things that like the Christians down here were a lot more liberal about. Like they yeah. went to dances, is like you know, like I did the macarena. Like I'm not. Yeah. You like I didn't do oh, anything. You're definitely going to hell now. <laughs> that, that's a good God way, damn it. Yeah. <laughs> Cut it off, Brandon. We're done. Here. So like in elementary school, when we lived up in Aurora, they would have like school dances for eight year olds, and I wasn't allowed to go to that because dancing was sinful. But when we moved down here, like a lot of the other people my age were going to prom, and so my mom kind of became more open minded about it and was like, okay, maybe this is okay. And so I got to go, but I wasn't allowed to like post any pictures on Facebook wow. about it because we didn't want, you know, like certain people to find out that she let me go because a lot of people feel very strongly about that. But to get back to your question about, you know, is there that struggle between duty and um if you want superiority call it. Yeah, or love yeah. or whatever it is, I think it's a big mix of both. Um one thing that I've really learned through this entire process, even up through today, because um, I mean, like the process of leaving the church and healing from that, like doesn't really end, uh, yeah. but is that at the end of the day, I think most people, not all people, but most people are genuinely just trying to do what they feel is the right thing to do. However misguided that may be, you know, that's a separate discussion, but as we're talking about motive for actions, um, I th- do believe that a lot of people in the in the church I grew up in, um, they definitely had 
you know, felt superior to yeah. everybody else because they were going to heaven and everybody yeah. else wasn't. But I do think that a lot of that came from love in their hearts, wanting to save other people and wanting to bring people in. For, into the fold. Yeah, exactly. They would say that too. Yeah, into the fold. Yeah, that that's was what a big we would expression. say. Bring them into the fold. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, okay. We so, would also announce if we got somebody like out in field service, if oh, they like came in, member. we'd be like, yeah, we've got Yeah, we would announce new, new members, but new members were like, that wasn't the first time somebody came to church. That was when you like interviewed with the elders and they actually like accepted you as a, as a member. member in the congregation. Yeah. Whew. Okay. So, oh, is your Mac, is it messed up? Oh, yeah. Uh, <laughs> it's so weird. <laughs> yeah, he's first. like, keep going. Yeah. Uh-huh. Oh, too bad. Not everybody. Just. Just. <laughs> did, like do this? I need to repeat what I said? No. You just need to keep going. If you don't remember. <laughs> yeah. Lioness. So. Thank you for fixing her mic. Um, Clue looks like Lioness from Charlie Brown. Boy, fuck you. <laughs> I still look good, though, dude. Come <laughs> I didn't on. Say, I didn't say you was raggedy looking. Lioness is cool. Why are you mad? Where's your blanket at? <laughs> <laughs> All right. So. I, I I want more. And one of the things I do want to thank you for doing is saying that that was your 15-year-old brain yeah. talking right there. Because one thing that a lot of people, and I feel, I feel the most sorry for those ones that are adults, and they'll say things like, I prayed for this thing to happen, and it didn't. And right. I think that one of the places where where we fail is is that realization that we make the mistake of thinking that God or whatever deity you serve or something like that is like some kind of like, I don't know how to call it, like, like a human, yeah. truthfully. Like one of the things they anthropomorphize that... anthropomorphize yeah. them like... And that's something that I say... And we say you give God more... Well, yeah. We say we like to give God more credit than to assign God human emotions. Yeah, like, I think well, you're like, you know, well, The Bible gives that. him human emotions. It does. I mean, yes. it says God is angry. God yeah. is jealous. God yeah. loves. And, and God that hates. Right there makes me feel like that's especially. That, yeah. And that's something that makes me think like, well, and, okay, a and human they got, wrote that. And they got super savvy again with the New, with the new Testament. It... It morphed into something entirely different. God there are two different inter- gods. Yeah, it didn't. God didn't interfere with the the matters of men. Yeah, it was. It was. It was night and day. I mean, I don't know if you've read the Bible extensively, but golly, it is two different gods. That's, I've, and I've never even heard anybody say it like that. Huh. Yeah, the God of the Old Testament. If you look at that versus the God of the New Testament, it's not the same. It's not the same God. No, and like she said, like the the. The very first descriptions of God, and it is in the Old Testament. In the beginning, God was angry mm-hmm. and jealous, and mm-hmm. I mean, had all these tumultuous emotions. Where I'm like, well, if God is perfect, like that again, that's why I never got past. If the God point. doesn't change, why did He change? Yeah, mm-hmm. like I, I couldn't get past those things not making sense. So I had my own like existential crisis, yeah. and again, that's why I never got to a point where I was like, I got to save these other people because I'm like, do I even give a fuck about like? Saving myself, so to speak, at this point. Yeah. So that went on for a while, and I eventually just came to the the, where I hated God. And so you can't, you know, God is love. You can't hate God and then go to heaven. So really all these other rules I'm following don't really fucking matter, right? Mm -hmm. So I'm just going to do whatever. 
So fast forward, it's my senior year of high school. Um, I'm dating this guy who's not part of the church. And so, you he know. He did the Macarena, didn't he? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Filthy. <Super> yeah. <laughs> so simple. I'm thinking that by this time, you, a senior... You're, you're hating God. You're like drawing pentagrams and shit like that. All Not necessarily drawing pentagrams, but I'm just like, <laughs> I, I just don't, don't care. Cool. You know, I don't think about it. <laughs> yeah, like, yeah, it's just, yeah. you know, out of my mind. But, um, you know, I wasn't allowed to date him because he wasn't part of the church. And so he was, you know, just technically like my friend that I hung out with all the time. Right. Yeah. And so uh, school's over. I'm about to go to UofL um, for college. And uh, my mom starts cleaning out my room for me and uh, finds yes. like notes that we've passed each other in school that I've kept and everything. Uh, maybe yeah. some of them. Gotta are. be. They gotta Kids be. Kids, thankfully, nasty. The Kids next, are nasty, bro. thankfully, the conversation that that led to uh, distracted from the dirtiness of the notes. Yeah. But, and so my whole process was I wasn't gonna tell my parents that I wasn't gonna be part of the church until after I moved to Louisville. Ah. So that there was like physical distance between us. Not that they would like hurt me or anything, but just there's that distance to make it easier. Yeah. You know, like yeah. we're not living in the same house and going. Yeah. You know, through all this. But they found out I was dating this guy, and there was no way for me to justify dating this guy without telling them the whole story. So I was like, fuck it, I'll just say everything. So I remember I was standing in my parents' bedroom, and they were talking to me, and they're like, what's going on? Like, what is this? And I was like, well, you know, pretty much I was like, I don't want to be a Christian anymore. Yeah. And I'd never seen my dad cry ever before in my life. He just. Uh, not an emotional person at all whatsoever. He like fell to his knees, like sobbing. Really? My mom is sitting on the bed and she's sobbing and she says to me, um, Guilt is a motherfucker. Yeah, sure I is. would have rather buried you in the ground when you were baptized than to see you live like this. Could they not yeah. see because some kind of a It's kind of like, and, and uh, not to disparage yeah. or, or make any kind of like ridiculous comparisons but it's in it's it's like coming out yeah like that confrontation that point and it there's like this inherent dread the whole time that you know that you don't believe some stuff and then when you yeah. finally say it it is so overwhelming it's like it's the guilt element of yeah. it it's not that shame yeah the shame yeah the the fear of ostracism from the entire community but it, it yeah they treat you like um uh, a leper hmm. and and that well I, what i was going to say before the question i'm about to ask is can you talk like did they not see anything before this or were you just that good at hiding it and going through the motions and so stuff? from that point you know like from where i started to you know i hate god i'm just gonna yeah. do my own thing up until i you know pretty legitimately left the church i took on two separate identities huh. and got really good at having two separate really? identities and car compartmentalizing things in, you know, which that's more of like a mental health discussion. Cause sure. like there's a whole line of like depression that goes there's The timeline for my mental health runs exactly parallel to my timeline with the church. Mm. But so I got really good at being two different people and I would show up at church and I would be, you know, a Christian and somebody who believed these things and 
then I would leave and I would hang out with my friends from school, my boyfriend, and I would be the, you know, secular. I would be somebody who didn't believe. So it was like the double life. They, yeah. You legit do. They didn't even yeah. think about that either. You have to live a legit double life. Yeah. And that's what you were talking about too. Like if yeah. you're living in the same household as them mm-hmm. even, it just intensifies that sensation. And yeah. it is yucky, man. Mm-hmm. And the other thing that she said that I thought was Real, that showed a man the a type of awareness that I don't think a lot of people have is that you said that if you were to essentially chart your mental health with you leaving the church, like, well, I mean, it, it's I'm trying. How do I how do I properly say like were you de- did you have depression? Did you have anything oh, like that? Yeah, so I was diagnosed with major depressive okay. disorder, and I was did like that happen 17. when you were young? Oh, okay, yeah. Oh, so maybe you were showing the the symptoms and stuff like right. that, and then so, I was on and off meds for a long time. Okay. I had a lot of different diagnoses. I was diagnosed as one at one point as bipolar, and they tried to put me on like lithium and stuff, but it really wasn't like the work I do now as an adult is like I don't think I have any chemical issues. I was two people, and huh. that was what the problem was. Wow. And how does a 17-year-old know how to reconcile that in her head? Because the person that you're trying to develop into, that you know, like that that entity that wants to define itself out into the world is still growing. It's stifled a little bit by this other entity that you have to foster in order to kind of survive. And you have to show that you're flourishing in even. Yeah. Yeah. In order to really make sure that there's no doubt, you know, to really conceal this other you know, identity I have, this first one, this cover one has to be good and convincing. So why hatred of God? Like I, me, when I sort of, when I got away from religion, it was never a a thing about hate for me. Um, just kind of back to those like very, like kind of less mature emotions that you have about, you know, like why are things this way and not that way? Like, yeah. why would you let this happen and not that happen? And, you know, all of those yeah. things that you just get to be, you know, and as a, as teenagers, uh, teenagers, I think we all kind of have like an angst yeah. anyway, like we're looking for something to be mad about. Uh-huh. Um, and yes. so that just was kind of like the perfect, you know, thing for me. But so once I, you know, came out to my parents, um, it was a long couple of days. A week later, I went to church camp. Was, oh wow! Yeah, After I was still going. That. Yeah, and these church camps are like it's brainwashing, yeah. essentially disguised as like a week of tug of war and you know dodgeball. Tug of they keep you up though. super late. They get you up super early. You spend a lot of time in like uh, lessons and um, sermons and classes and singing and which is singing especially makes you emotional, right? Mm. Music makes you emotional, so they're they get that pull on you too. So I spend this week and I'm thinking about, okay, my mom just told me she would have rather, you know, I died when I was baptized than live like this. You know, I'm going to lose my family. I don't have any, I don't have any money to leave. I don't have anybody on the outside that I'm really close enough that I could be like, Hey, can I come live with you? So I just say, okay, I'm going to give it another shot. Did you tell your parents that? Mm-hmm. Okay. I I went forward when I got back and like, you know, uh, which is a process in the church is you, you literally walk up, you go forward to the front of the congregation and you confess 
your sins publicly and in detail, like to the congregation. Oh, man. For some reason, I just thought of that YouTube video where that little kid walks up to the church. He goes, I'm like, tired of this church. Yeah. And they go, oh, <laughs> I'm just oh, like, what? I haven't seen that. Oh, it's, it's but, cute. It's really cute. Yeah. Describe that that moment. Like, what did you say when when you walked up in front of the church? Well, I didn't say anything. And man speaks on my behalf. First of all, I Whoa, tell the I the tell the up. preacher, and the preacher says to the congregation. So they What's frame up? the narrative. Uh, he would say what I told him, oh. but. I don't get to say it. Was it, is it because there's a, a thing saying that you cannot speak in front of? Oh yeah, women can't be ahead of a man at all in any way, shape, or form. Like the women are in zero positions of any authority in the church whatsoever. They teach children's classes, but only up until the age of like thirteen, because that's when people, you know, boys start getting baptized, and so mm-hmm. now we can't have like a Christian woman, you know, the leader of a Christian man, even at like a middle school age Hmm. and even the teachers that like coordinate the young bible classes and stuff there's still an elder that's like over that part of the church really so and that's a whole like the women's role in the church is a whole i think it's relevant to this honestly uh one of the things too you know you're what year is it when when this is going on i graduated high school in 2012 okay so one thing that I'll say, even even the time where I was in high school, I graduated in 2004, mm-hmm. like the differences in women, then even eight years later, women are finding their voice Yeah, much at a much early age, you know, and again, this is just a four, eight year time gap. Women are finding their voice. And so I would imagine that a young woman, 17 years old, is sitting there like, wait a minute. I can't talk, but when eight well, years I've before been, that, it was I, just one of those like we just don't talk. Y'all you know wearing I mean? like denim skirts and stuff. Some people, some of them do. Yeah, the more conservative not, ones. Not cut their hair. Long denim skirts don't cut their hair. Braids, no pants ever. Um, not everybody. I didn't. Yeah. But you know, from a very, I'm a very like independent, like strong-willed, outspoken, confident in myself person, and I also carry a lot more masculine characteristics than feminine at times, and so that's just like, I just got a big old dick. Yeah, yeah, exactly. (laughs) (laughs) Even from a very young age when they talk about, you know, like the wife is supposed to submit to her husband, like there was a part of me in my back of my head that was like, good fucking luck with that, like that's not gonna happen. But I was told my whole life, like, you know, all these things about you are great, but you have to channel them in the right directions because that's, you know, that you know that's sinful to a certain degree like and the right things? kind of husband isn't going to want to marry you if you're you know and you need to be with this guy yeah. because he's going to be able to put you in your place when you step out of line like oh my god whole yeah. life that's what i heard a Just, man who is firm yeah in his beliefs for mm. god yeah but it with the kingdom hall uh women were definitely put in a marginalized position but women would actually get up on stage but they would do this like fucking like a play. Like they would sit at a table on the stage where they gave talks, which that would never happen. Yeah, they oh. they had a podium. They wouldn't give sermons or preach. It's called giving talks, and it was much drier than a lot of religions. It was taught like school. But they would have two women or uh, three women, like two playing witnesses and then another one that's like supposed to represent somebody that they're trying to bring into the mm-hmm. kingdom hall or bring into the truth. But um, 
yeah, it was a much more egalitarian, I will say, like coming out of being a Jehovah's Witness and seeing other Christian denominations that aren't viewed as as kooky. Mm-hmm. They're actually much more progressive than like Southern Baptist or uh, Church of Christ when it came to interesting, yeah, uh, male female dynamic. Okay, so and even homosexuality too. They tended to be. I was pretty, like, I don't they, think they like. No, no, yeah. they, but they no, tended no, no, to be. No, 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 no. They no. tended to be. Uh, you know, they thought it was sinful, but they tended to be pretty chill about. The entire thing associated with it. I have a lot of moments where I'm just like, I'm so glad I fell in love with a man. (laughs) Because if I hadn't, my life could be so much more difficult. Like, I'm just glad this is the way it worked out for me. But yeah, yeah, not not okay with that either. You know, one of the, uh, as I was getting older, uh, I'd say he stopped now. Kalu has stopped stopped getting older. (laughs) I've stopped aging now. I'm not going to. I've got about twenty more years before I start showing any sort of age. Man, we just don't. We just look good. Well, we just do. How many years of knees got in them? Oh, <laughs> I about dropped the sock. <laughs> but uh, well, I was gonna. Well, you just messed me up. I'm sorry. Shit. Listen, man, I got to. Oh no, no, I got it. So kind of season it up a little bit. <laughs> for me, when I was when I was younger, so we grew up Presbyterian, right? And. Um, I went through a phase like in my early or just in my early teens, you know, or mid teens, if you want to call it that, where um, I had been talking or I'd been dating a girl for, for a long time and she was actually church of Christ. Mm-hmm. And um, it seemed like it was a, you know, cool little thing. Go over there, occasionally go to the different services. But then I started liking it. Yeah. And you know, the people were really cool. I, I was like, I'm okay with there not being music. Like none yeah. of these guys like good musicians anyway. Yeah. Uh, there was, and so it was like, I thought that was neat. Like just hearing voices and stuff like that. That was cool. Um, and of course in my head, young, in my young brain, I'm just like, Oh, that's fine. I, I come from a, a musical family. And so it was just like, Oh, this is cool. I like singing anyway. It's no biggie. And then we'd go in there and I'd hear some of the talks and, and I'll say that for the, for a, a good chunk in the beginning, I was there for a girl, Yeah. but I feel like, and, and I remember her telling me just like you, she would have, she would like pray for me to join the church and stuff like that. And, and just like you, it was, I believe that it was from a selfless place. Yeah. And so unlike you i i went in you know uh and i and i eventually i remember i went and joined the church and you know talk with people so like that got baptized and all this other thing yeah. like i like it didn't mean for me it was more of just a formality right because i was like i was already baptized when i was but that didn't count. But it see. didn't count. Yeah. Exactly. I'm not going to hell no matter what I yeah, do. It's like, but yeah. I'm gonna get I'm fit to get extra credit. I'm fit to get yeah. a pool swim. I'm gonna get double dipped. Yeah. <laughs> That's awesome. Oh, I like my salvation like my shoulders. <laughs> double like dip. double dipped in that sauce, man. No sprinkle. Uh, no sprinkle. Uh sorry, we're talking about barbecue. But uh Yeah, I hope so. <laughs> <laughs> but um <laughs> So I go. That's totally fair. (laughs) Oh my god! So I'm I'm in the I'm in the church and um and it's it's great like talking to people and all that kind of stuff. But also what happened is I've gotten older. As I got older, like my sister came out, and 
So then I started thinking about that kind of stuff. I, I wasn't going to the same church my parents were going to. I was right. going to my girlfriend's church. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and I was liking everyone, like really, you know, doing a lot of stuff with them and all that kind of stuff. Um, but where it started to be weird for me was that moment when I was like, I know my sister is fine. You know right. what I'm saying? I know in my heart, like she... She, I mean, she, they, she would still go to church and stuff like that, but obviously Presbyterians are more accepting of, of homosexuals and stuff like that than others are. And so, I mean, she still went to church and all that kind of stuff. And in her heart, she did, she believed like, this is how I was born. Right. And so in my head, I'm just like, well, okay, that makes perfect sense. So I remember we're having a Sunday school talk and I bring it up and and I said, like, well, why would why would God make people that would just go to hell? Mm-hmm. And it's and, like that verse when he's talking. I'm pretty sure he's talking about Jacob and Esau, and he's saying, you know, I hated Esau when he was in the womb. Mm-hmm. Huh. There was never, you know, if we're in control of our choices yeah. and we get to pick, you know, whether we go to heaven or hell through our actions. Yeah. You know, why did God hate Esau? Before he was even born. Before he, was, before he had a chance. Yeah. And so I, when I asked this, he shoots me down. It's it's a condescending type of shooting down. Because I fucked up the energy of the class, you know what I mean? Because it was everyone was like, well, of course they're going to hell. You know, right. it was one of those type of Sunday school classes. But I just thought, you know, I'll ask. And, and I remember from that moment, I was just like, something's not right here. You know? And my, that moment for me... Which, to kind of catch up the story to that point, like, so I decide I'm going to, like, recommit myself to this. I can't lose my family. Like, logistically, I can't leave. Even I don't have any money. I don't have a place to go. Like, you know, and whether my parents would have actually thrown me out on the street, I don't know if I believe that now. Yeah. But, um, and so I kind of, like, try, and the way I describe it is, like, trying to fit a square peg into a circle hole. And the only way to do that is like to just slam it against that until it starts breaking and falling apart. Mm -hmm. And that's essentially what I was doing to myself. And, um, you know, my depression is getting really bad at this point. Like I'm hospitalized, medicated on and off. Sorry, I accidentally hit the mic. You're fine. (laughs) Brandon's looking at you like, you mother. (laughs) Medicated on and off with like several different kinds of medicines. I end up in the hospital. Um, I'm like on six B, um, and not very long after oh. that, I um, decided I was going to try pot. Yeah. As God you know, damn it, first the macarena, <laughs> yeah, and now the devil's lettuce. <laughs> what what else is going to come out of your damn mouth? Macarena was a gateway. It wasn't marijuana. It was the macarena. Really, <laughs> she's like totally like I. Oh <laughs> fuck! Now you gotta leave. Brandon, <laughs> escort him out. It's okay. I've made a path. <laughs> Oh, but shit. so you know, I'm. <laughs> you deserve that. You know, you deserve. You deserve the hell out of that consumption. I got a hog, a Luki. Just turn my mic off real quick. I just turned it up. Sorry. God. Uh, so, you're a monster. I'll continue. Then I guess. Fuck. <laughs> This is the most professional we've ever been. Yo, I can't help it. I can't. 
That's, that's, <laughs> bro, stop doing that. I can't, I can't breathe. <laughs> there was a lady in our church, actually, who used to, she was really old. She used to bring a plastic Walmart bag with her to service, and she would just hawk loogies in it. Oh, oh damn. And everybody could hear, but she was so and old. Like, and didn't nobody want to run up on her, though. Right, yeah. If you messed with her, she hit you with that loogie bag. Yeah, yeah. That's disgusting. That's why I'm not going to mess with Kalu the rest exactly. of the podcast. Did you turn me back up? Yeah, you're back on. He's okay. weaponized <laughs> over. Jesus Christ. So anyway, I'm sorry. you know, I'm looking for anything that will relieve my depression, right? Like uh, my suicidal, I, suicidal ideations are like really bad. You know, it gets to the point where like the first, anytime I go anywhere, the first thing I think is like, if I had to do this here, how would I do it? Right. Yeah. And so, you know, I'm reading about marijuana, like supposedly helps with this or that. Like some friends I knew from school, like smoke weed, like I'm going to try this. Right. And so other than the effects of just like being high, right, it kind of made me able to think and see things in a completely different way that I had you know, like ever been exposed to, right? All of our listeners who smoke weed are like, fuck yeah. yeah. It was like I had a box like that I was I was just inside of this box and like the walls fell down or like I started seeing in color for the first That's, time. That actually sounds beautiful. Yeah, it was beautiful. I was like crying. And like really? all my, all these like stoner guys are in this room like, you're being too loud. Like, what are you doing? And I'm like, no, you guys don't realize like it's all a lie. Like, <laughs> this whole sound, fucking time. Yes. This just sounds like good weed. I don't and know. That's what. Like, and that's essentially what I came to think was just like, no, it's not that. God isn't good. God isn't fucking real. Like, nothing. This is all just you know whatever. Because I started to be able to like, because I could think in this different way. And like I said, aside from being high, I don't want people to listen to this and be like, kids are gonna smoke weed and believe in the devil. Like that's not exactly what I happened. Hope those but people listen to our podcast. Yeah. Hail yeah. Satan. <laughs> Go on. Yeah, but um, where was I? I lost my place. What was I saying? Um, yeah 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 so i could think in this different way and so then i started asking different questions you know like and i started the biggest thing for me was i started being around people that i would have never ever been around before mm. like for example i worked at there's a hot dog place down here on the bypass big owls yeah it was the oh, jump off yeah hell yeah that was, yeah, that was my yeah. favorite well, it was the yeah. only hot dog place, yeah, but goddamn, you could get some dope there. shit there. Yeah, like I worked there the Asian for a little Zing while. Mm -hmm. Ooh, yeah. That aioli, that It was fire. the truth. Yeah, Man, really rest good. in peace to Big Al's yeah. hot dogs. It was pretty good. Um, so I worked there, and I worked with this guy. His name was Chin. You know, he's like this Cambodian. He's a felon. He's got, like, he's like tatted up everywhere. You know, just somebody that I would mm. never in a million years have, like, you know, been around. And, you know, somebody that, like you know, from my upbringing when they talk about these sinners and like gangbangers and all these people, you know, like that's kind of the image that I had. And he turned out to be like so sensitive and loving and like sincere and compassionate and hardworking and just like was the complete antithesis of what I had kind of been trained to judge him as. And so then that kind of opened my mind. I was like, okay, well, these people who are going to hell, like, should not be going to hell. Like, they're a fuck ton better than a lot of these people in the mm -hmm. church I've been growing up yeah. with. Like, and so then that kind of started coming around. And so essentially, the you know, 
I wasn't believing in God anymore um, for the most part. And there's no like particular point in time where I can say like, this is when my belief stopped yeah. because it's a constant process. Yeah. And, you know, especially with still maintaining dual identities, I'm hopping back and forth between two different people. And so it gets lost like in that as well. And, um, you know, then I sort of kind of say like, okay, well now I don't believe this. Now what do I do? And so I kind of took on what I um, called the Ruth clause, hmm. which is so like the book of Ruth in the mm. Old Testament. Ruth doesn't really. Unruly. Yeah. Um, so it's this lady, Esther. She's got a husband and sons and these two daughter-in-laws. And they, the, the father and the sons all die. And so she says, no, she says to the daughter-in-laws, go back to your family. Like, I'm an old lady. I'm not going to have any, you know, just go home. And Ruth doesn't. And so this book is, you know, that's just the beginning. And the book is about Ruth and these great things that she did and blah, blah, blah. But Ruth doesn't say, I'm going to commit myself to God. Mm. She commits herself to Naomi. And mm. Naomi's God's by default. And so in my mind, I'm thinking like, okay, so, you know, that question of what if I'm wrong, right? Well, maybe then this story of Ruth is in here for me to say that if you can commit yourself to this for your family, if you commit yourself to your family, and then this by default, maybe that counts. You know, if I'm wrong, yeah. maybe that counts. And now this way I can stay with my family, right? So it wasn't about like getting a chance to go to heaven. It was just be able to, so you can like have a meal at night and yeah. sleep somewhere. Yeah. Okay. And I like to think that it would have been that bad, but you know, at the end of the day, do I really think my parents would have put me out on the street? Probably not, but you know, I don't know that for sure. Still even like I would imagine though that words hurt worse. They than do, being man. Put that back, dark out, yeah. cloud of yeah. feeling like you'll they, never forget I'll never look at my mom after that, without yeah. thinking that ever again. Well yeah. I I remember being a little kid and I may have brought this up previously, but I remember asking the question, um, because it, it was brought up obviously during one of the talks, but that you're supposed to put God above all else. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, Mom, who do you love more, me or God? Mm -hmm. I'm like seven, eight years old. And she's like, God. And I'm like, well, I love you more than God. <laughs> no, I would like, tell other people in the church that she said that. And they were like, wow, she just really loves you, doesn't she? Huh. And I'm like, yeah, I guess so. Like, I guess that's how that works. But that guilt is, I mean, it weighs so yeah. heavy on you. How is your relationship with your parents now? As good as it can possibly be. So we have meals like pretty regularly together. We'll have family dinner and stuff. And like we can group text and like joke about things and you know, all that kind of stuff. And like, we're, we're going to Atlanta. Like my whole family's going to Atlanta in October. Um, you know, we'll have a little vacation, but there is no depth at all. Mm. Like we don't talk about anything important. Um, anything that I achieve, like in my career, you know, or my education, like I got my county degree, I got my MBA, like I have one more exam in the CPA, you know, exam sequence to take. And, you know, all these things, like they're proud of me for that. And they say that, but like, they, you can tell that they don't really care because that doesn't mm. matter. Like, what matters is that I go to heaven and that's it. Yeah. And there are some other things like about my parents specifically and 
the way that they emotionally handle things and are able to express things that also kind of gets in the way. That's not necessarily from the church, um, just like human trauma and existence. But um, yeah, I mean, it's, it's kind of sad really. And it, you know, I'm kind of at a point where I have to decide like, because every time I'm around my parents, I turn into, like, this three-year-old kid that's just like, look at me, like, pay attention to me, like, mm. listen to me, say you're proud of me, like, all these things mm-hmm. that I can't control. I can't turn that off. And so, you know, in working with a therapist, you know, I kind of have to decide, like, you know, am I going to be okay with the way that things are and allow it to damage me or figure out a way to get around that or do I stop putting forth any effort and if I stop putting forth any effort that means I have to grieve because Mm. now that relationship is gone and so you know being in that position where it's like you know where you have to choose between like one type of pain and another type of pain it's like you know, yeah. I don't know what the right answer is for that yet. But. You know, one of the things that I would say a lot of our philosophies and stuff like that would play in or how I feel like it could help you is in the in Yes, you can think of it in one way of um, grieving, but another way you can think of it is like rejoicing because like being able to travel through life lightly is something that a lot of people cannot do. Right. I, like, even I'm still struggling to, to travel lightly. Um, to be able to live a life and be 100% like happy with your accomplishments and all that kind of stuff, like, that's for a lot of people that like the attaboys, I, I like those. Yeah. And so that's w- was, you know, that's what I. That's the only way that I got any that you kind feel of like, like you love or affection from yeah. them. Right. Here's a good grade. You, you know, tell me you love me. Like, yeah. unless I present something for you, there's, yeah. you know. Because that's even more magnified because even at the, when you were, you know, even after leaving the church or even after having those feelings that you didn't want to before you even told them, right? you probably were aiming for like, hey, be proud of me about this. Oh, like, yeah. oh please, sure. please. Yeah, yeah. And, and it's just this wiring that, yeah. you know, like neuroplasticity is definitely a thing, but it's not an easy thing, Mm-mm. you know. And it's, within that framework, like she said, like you can achieve great things, but they're going to laud the thing that's most pious. Yeah. Right. Or people will laud the most thing, <clears throat> the thing that means the most to them. Well, I mean, within the congregation. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. Sure, yeah sure. That, that's what I'm saying. Like, um, I, I could do incredible things, but the the Kingdom Hall, the, the congregation itself, gave way more credit within that community to people that were doing 20, 30, 40 hours of field service each week. Mm-hmm. Right. That's what was celebrated. Um, there was no emphasis on getting a college education, and I think that that was kind of part of the equation too yeah. it's like that's a worldly thing to do yeah. and as a woman especially like you know are you sure you just don't want to raise kids at home yeah. like you can just stay here until you find somebody to marry and you know and i think one of the biggest things is understanding that when you let go of those relationships or the trying mm. is learning to not take it personal on your end, even though you probably know they are taking it personal Mm -hmm. on their end. Like, I'm sure there's the whole element of you thinking like, 
well, I wonder how this reflects on them right. to the congregation. Yeah. They're one thing. Are they grieved at the congregation? Oh, well, their daughter's worldly. Yeah, like that kind of sure. stuff. Because yeah, my that, brother that also, that- like, you know, my uh, I'm the oldest of four. And my second brother is in, like, he's in jail right now. And there's, like, a public, like, WBKO article about it. And so they have that kind of stress as well on that. And, like, they are, you know, so just back and forth, you know, it kind of feels like I'm in a position where, like, if I let go of my responsibility in, you know, trying to put effort in and holding things together, then, you know, it, like, just kind of all, like, all the dominoes fall and, you know, whether that's good for me or whether I should release myself of that duty or not or make peace with it or, you know, however way you want to look at it, it's, that's really the main thing in my life now yeah. that, you know, I really struggle to, struggle to figure out. Yeah. Man, I, there's, I, I, when you list of those options like do i remove myself from it do i let it go do i make peace with it i say do all of it yeah as long as the very last thing is there is that as long as you have peace with your decision uh that's i mean that's what really matters well, and, and it's a process and you may implement or focus on different things as time progresses you know like we all get blue about specific things right mm-hmm. like something could come along and it very much just be reminiscent of mm-hmm. Something that you either long for or made made you feel sorry for yourself a little yeah. bit. Yeah, it's hard not to feel sorry yeah, for yourself. Seriously, yeah. do you? What do you long for? Is there anything you miss in the church? Um, people. Yeah. When I left, when I actually left the church, so I guess picking up the story like Ruth Claus didn't really work out for me. You know, like I'm still chipping away at myself. I start to real several things happened back to back to back that made it apparent that these people that I was like fighting to stay for and keep in my life weren't hmm. worth it. You guys talk about auditing your circle. Auditing your circle. Oh, I did like 500 person audit of my circle. <laughs> I was like, this isn't, yeah. you know, as far as my parents and my siblings and my family go, like we can hope that that stays intact, but I can't destroy myself for these people who yep. are not even like worth my time, you know? Right. And so then I, you know, I saved up enough money finally. Well, I get, so I told my parents that and essentially it came back down to like, I'm not doing this anymore. Mm. And he said, okay, well, nor my dad, in order to leave at home, you have to go to church on Sunday mornings. And so I would sneak in right after it started and I would sneak out right before it ended. And then. So it was a matter of saving face for them. Yeah. Um, and more for my siblings in the ch- congregation. They didn't want my younger siblings to see that you could live in this house and just do whatever you want, right? There has to be some kind of structure to the way that, like, you live if you're going to be here. That's going to push well, you Well, and that's doctrine, too. It's, like, if yes. you're not following the father's rule and subsequently the mother's rule, then you're not living in doctrine. Yeah. And so for a little while, I stayed at the same church. I snuck in and out, and then eventually I couldn't even stand to do that anymore. And so I went, quote unquote, to this other church, but really what I just did was they could track me on my phone. So I would just pull up in the parking lot and like smoke weed and sit there for an hour and a half (laughs) (laughs) and then drive back home so that, you know, technically I went to church somewhere. You did? Nah, you went to church. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I know, right? 
But, can, you imagine, um, can you imagine her at Sunday dinner? She just, they're like, oh God, Carly. <laughs> yeah, oh my yeah, God. exactly. Like, These potatoes are amazing. Yeah. My Mom, dad would stay oh up late God. and he'd come downstairs. He's like, Why are you eating tortellini at two thirty in the morning? <laughs> That's a silly question. <laughs> I'm hungry, Why dad? aren't you eating tortellini right. at two a.m.? <laughs> oh my and God! So then I eventually going. saved up enough money, which. Looking back now, I, I waited until I had like four grand in the bank before I moved out to like a $300 a month apartment, <laughs> which then looking back now, I could have left way sooner, yeah. but you know, just being paranoid, I don't want to, you know, run out of money. So then I finally left and that was that my dad texted me like a week or two weeks after I'd moved out and was like, Hey, I'm preaching on Sunday morning. You know, I'd like for you to come. And I pretty much was just like, dad, I'm not coming. Like ever and that was the last we ever talked about it and that was summer of 2015 wow yeah but you all still speak now of course we speak now but not about anything that's not like surface level surface yeah and generally like again in the kingdom hall the truth or whatever they make allowances for immediate family members and even extended family members to maintain contact with somebody that's gone out and done worldly shit. But unless you're conforming to the framework, then you're largely ostracized. I mean, and even your family members, a lot of times at the kingdom hall would kind of keep you at arm's length a little bit because you're worldly. Yeah. Well, and so when you talk about what I miss the most, like what I miss the most is like having people in my life like so when I left I had a couple friends from high school that weren't really anything other than friends from high school you know and you know this like kind of bare bones relationship with my parents and the people I worked with and that's it like I was on my own like I didn't you know I went home after work to my apartment every day I stayed by myself on the weekends I just didn't have people in my life you know, at all, really. And especially at that age, I was 20, 21, something like that. You know, like, I have no examples of, like, a normal human adult to try to, like, figure out, okay, now I'm outside of the church. What's my life supposed to be? Like, how am I supposed to live? You know, what's this structure going to be? Do I have a structure or do I just do whatever the fuck I want all the mm-hmm. time? Like, how does that work? And so, you know, and for a long time... It only even really subsided over the last, like, year and a half or so. And really when, you know, Tom and I got engaged, um, that I was genuinely afraid that I would go back just because of how isolated I felt. And I knew that if I go back, I'll go forward again. Mm. Everyone will come give me a hug, and I won't be alone anymore. The prodigal son kind of thing. Like, when you come back into the fold, they do treat you special. And that's why you can't go back, like, uh, what is it, Memorial? Mm -hmm. It's like Passover kind of thing. Um, But... They would they'll invite like you know the children like former witnesses and things like that but that's like kind of it's kind of part of their marketing yeah they well, bring you back they're very loving and receptive in that like acute kind of context mm-hmm. but if you don't pretty much immerse yourself it they'll turn around on you again yeah. and like so and as far as like how the extent of the relationship that you can have with somebody outside of the church that's kind of left to personal judgment. Um, it's looked down upon. That's why nobody really does it. But, um, so like my parents, obviously, 
you know, still have a relationship with me to some degree. Um, I have a grandma who, you know, like we sit and had a conversation one day and she was like, okay, well, I can't see you anymore. And so we mm. don't talk. She can't sit down and have a meal with me at all. Like nothing. Uh, she comes into town. My whole family gets together and I'm not invited because she's there and I can't be there in the same room with her like that kind of thing. Have you ever just gone? Uh, I've showed up a couple times, but... Did she leave? She'll, like, kind of hide in the corner. Like, my sister's graduation party was a couple weeks ago, and she was going to be there. And my mom was like, you know, Granny's going to be here just letting you know. And I'm like, I'm fine with that. I'm not the one with this rule that we can't see each other. And I didn't say one word to her. She didn't say one word to me. She sat on the couch, like, looking out the window the entire time I was there. What have you what have you learned since being out of the church? That uh life is fucking hard and if somebody has found something that makes that easier for them, like let them be. Like that's great. That's a great thing as long as they're not trying to tear down other people and make, you know, their lives harder, like it doesn't matter. Yeah. Like if being in the church brings somebody peace, like, just let it be. Like, it's fine. Like, I don't need to try to prove to you that God's not real or whatever. You know, like, I don't even know that for a fact. Like, nobody knows anything for a fact. And, yeah. like, you know, I don't like people who speak in such definitive terms about, like, spiritual things. Because at the end of the day, like, there's nothing wrong with being convicted, you know, and saying, I believe this, like, to be true. But... I don't know. But even like rabid anti-theists, like mm-hmm. as somebody who is like, if asked, I would be considered an anti-theist. And I'm bringing that shit up all the time. But some of the rabid, air quotes, anti-theists that are out there, that that's as dogmatic as anything. For sure. There's a purity test on being an atheist or an anti-theist. Mm-hmm. Um, I think you can totally be an atheist or an anti-theist and leave people the fuck alone mm-hmm. as long as they're not bothering you yeah. or bothering someone else. If, if they, the collateral of their belief system doesn't spill over in a negative way. Yeah. I, I think yeah. the, the thing that would, that to add on to what you're saying is that when you make that choice to be anti-theist or atheist or anything like that, or just or non-believing right. or agnostic, like, you have to be okay with being alone. Yeah. And and that was the thing that I was going to ask you is like do you would you agree with me or and or tell me if I'm wrong but like after listening to a lot of just your story and stuff like that like the fear I guess in my opinion even bigger than heaven or hell or anything like that is just being alone. Yeah. Just being by yourself. Fear of ostracism. Yeah, yeah, because you had said that you thought that you were, you might go back to the church if you didn't get engaged. Is that what you were saying? Yeah. And really, that aloneness comes from a different place. Um, for a, Like, just to give a full picture. So, like, at one point, my depression is so bad that, like, people talk about meditating or what's that phrase that you guys have used before where um, flow, state? flow state? Is that what you're talking about? Yeah. Say it. Or like um, Nirvana or whatever, where you're just still, well, I kind of got sucked through it from the back end, like from the negative perspective where like perspective where my depression is so rough that like, 
uh, and like agonizing that like nothing I got to a point where like nothing exists in this moment but like this breath that I'm inhaling or exhaling and um the visualize it um it's kind of funny you know stranger things like yeah. have you seen it where you know 11 is like she blindfolds yeah. herself and she's mm-hmm. in this like dark space and the floor's wet and yeah. there's you and know she finds people she finds yeah. people um it was almost exactly like that where I'm just standing in this place and the only thing there and I call it to be like my core uh like my core self you mm-hmm. know like the very foundation of who I am and the only thing that was there was like this voice that's just like you're not good enough mm. like you're not enough at all. Like just this, uh, this inherent insufficiency that can't be changed. And so reaching that point and then coming back out of that, um, that feeling of being isolated and everything, like it's all centered around trying to undo like how my core was wired. Like, so trying to feel like, um, you know, and it comes from the church, like, you know, there's nothing you can do to go to heaven other than like be baptized and accept that somebody else saved you. And is it, that's why you're going to heaven. There's nothing you can do as an individual that'll ever get you there. It's Jesus Christ. Right. So trying to rewire that like sense of, um, personal utility. Yeah. Or- like the sense that I'm like helpless or hopeless and that I don't have the capacity to like grow or ever reach a point where I'm okay. Like rewiring that and try to, uh, fix all the different ways that that like poison, like kind of leaks into my entire life, including this need for me to like not feel isolated from people is, uh, I mean that that that's it. Like that's the whole goal. Yeah. It's like you know, you, you, you prepare your whole life for the circus to show up. Like you've been mm-hmm. ready and told about it, and then one day you find out that that shit ain't showing up. Like that's the closest thing that I could liken to me just absolutely feeling like I don't know that I'm I'm hung out to dry. Yeah. Um. I. You know. You're not allowed to really. Ha- it's hard to establish even meaningful worldly connections because of that duality you don't you're stifled when it came to that you don't know how to even interact with them you can you over invest you under invest attachment disorder stuff like when we i was in therapy we we even like looked at the church as an attachment figure i was gonna ask about that yeah in uh like all of that other work that we did so do you do you wonder though if maybe it's not the church it's just it's something deeper than that like it's just chemicals it's just mm. science and the what church you, happens to be is? just that object you know like the source of all this pain you know you're talking about the you know wanting to uh to not be alone and all this other stuff and all this depression like i maybe, feel like the church fosters that environment i think yeah i yeah. For, for a lot of people i absolutely believe it fosters that environment um and that's why i think a lot of people stay in it because they don't want to go there, but like... Well, you get your fix within the church. Sure. That's, mm-hmm. And that's the only place you know where to get your fix at. Yeah, yeah. but I tend to of think the that oxytocin a lot of the... and uh, serotonin and dopamine, sure. all that. I just... I guess I tend to think that, like, something like 
depression is something that state that's your. I feel like you're kind of born with it. Well, and, I, and like it just manifests. I think I would disagree. The, right, let's, for let's, my experience, sure. yeah, like I think. So you were happy, happy, like. I think that if I hadn't been raised to believe that I was, you know, like I said, inherently insufficient, and I needed this greater, all-powerful being to save me from the way that I was created, which you know is fucked up in yeah, and of it's, itself, yeah, yeah, yeah right? Yeah. It, 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 you know, whatever. It eats itself. Then. I feel like I would have a vastly different outlook on who I am and my life and the way that I process things and my depression even like like I've said like I don't think I have chemical depression. I've seen so many doctors. I've taken like so many medicines like I can't even count like yeah. all this kind of stuff and nothing does anything. What does things for me is when I sit in therapy and I say like okay like how do we get, you know, that voice to say something different? Like how do we work through these? Like, this is the reason why, like, I do this in my marriage and not this, you know, like, this is the reason, you know, all these different things. Like, hmm. so that depression, like, you know, and it's gotten a lot better as I've left. Sure. The remnants of it are still there, you know, just in the way that that, like, trauma affected my life. So you'd say there's, but, like, some PTSD. Well, that's, like, oh, trauma. for sure. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. yeah. yeah. And, I, and I actually just saw an article recently, peer-reviewed, uh, credible... Mm -hmm. uh, I have to fucking find it. It's um, it, it found it, that strong correlation between growing up in these extremely religious contexts has a really, really negative influence on brain development in a lot of children. So that's there's that. That's yeah. the thing is in environment. Yes, you can be born with a genetic predisposition. Sure to a chemical imbalance. But in this case, the profile amounts to more... Um, it hides under the guise of community, but the the profile, the chemical profile in your brain um, amounts more to abuse. Sure. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that it, makes, psychological, that that, emotional okay. abuse because you're manipulated on the grounds of personal insufficiency, guilt, shame, fear, uh uh, mainly negative emotions. Mm. And the only things that you have is the pat on the back from your adherence to this system. Sure. That makes sense. So it, I get fall, it so you don't get your fix from anything other than bowing down to the system mm. and you're getting bombarded with all these negative concepts that are fostered within your mind. And they yeah. just, you sit there and you, and you mull it over and think about it and, it, it it's incredibly devastating in a lot of ways. And, and, like, and, and even if you adhere to it perfectly mm. and it makes sense to you, it still has, I don't want to say irreparably, but profoundly wired your chemistry towards something like that. And if you have an epiphany when you're 37 years old and you decide to leave your faith, it will fuck you up. You're going to have yeah. you're going to have an adverse reaction like, you know, somebody coming from the deepest recesses of the Amazon rainforest being thrown into a modern context. Mm -hmm. That's exactly what it's like. Yeah. yeah. Wow. Yeah. And, you know, like I mean, like PTSD has been a part of like my diagnostic profile, I guess what you say, like I try not to stick to any like specific you know, things that to describe like exactly what's going on because nothing's all encompassing and like it doesn't serve a purpose for me necessarily sure, right. to be like, I'm a victim of PTSD. Like that yeah. doesn't do anything yeah. for me. But 
other than to like communicate to people the effects of what it is. But in like abuse, I hesitate to say abuse. Um, not that that wasn't what it is, but like just that sense of like, when I hear somebody say they were abused, their abuser is assumed to have some malicious intent. Mm-hmm. Right. And, and this is where it messes up. Yeah, they, they blend yeah. My, legal with biological, and that's yeah. a difficult yeah. ground to tread on. And my parents did not raise me with malicious intent. Yeah. And they do not live their lives with malicious intent, nor do people in the church. I mean, some people, you know, you know whatever. Mm-hmm. We can, let's just say we're going to throw out those outliers, sure. right? And so to say that I was abused, like, that just doesn't seem to, like, fit into that um like just the way that i would think of it um i try not to use like that word because that also you know you say abuse and people are like oh did they beat you like yeah or or they screaming and none of that happened like my parents love me very very much and like they show it in really weird ways and you know aren't always capable of showing it but i know that to be true yeah and honestly when you when you have the type of and in my head, I'll just call it abuse because I can tell the difference, right? The type that you have endured, I would almost rather be beaten up. Yeah. Oh, yeah, for rather, sure. For sure. Oh, yeah. Like, I would I'd rather, I would rather take a whip. physical yeah. ill. And Jehovah's yeah. Witnesses are big proponents of whooping that ass. Like, yeah. they are known yeah, so for Yeah, so is Church it. of Christ. Mm-hmm. Spare the rod. Uh, spoil the spoil child. The child. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, and for, you know, just, again, reiterating what I was saying with, with me being very, like, driven by like the attaboys and all that kind of stuff like i would always i would rather get my ass whipped than like someone tell me that they're disappointed in me or to say what you know what they said to you and stuff like that i just well and then part of it part of it is like sensory deprivation like almost anything that's stimulating Mm -hmm. is associated with the devil yeah and I think that's probably a commonality between both faiths is that all this like lust of the flesh, yeah, yeah. that the this things that I guess they would correlate with individuals who are more impulsive and you know all this risky behavior or whatever. But you know, talking about worldly people, she said earlier when she went out and she met people, she found that oftentimes those individuals were more empathetic and mm-hmm. and had more depth of character than a lot of the people in the congregation that were so judgmental. And that's, I feel like, one of the most pivotal moments is seeing in someone else something beautiful that you did you never saw a semblance of when you were in yeah. the congregation. That you need. Yeah. That you need, that's, yeah. That's, it, it's, that's really good. It's hear. a sign of life. It's yeah. like there, you, you are surrounded by all this gray nonstop, and then you get a little glimmer of like, hey, there's a connection here. Like talk more about that. Like, mm-hmm. I don't know it. Get it going to college was real pivotal for me. That's one thing that helped me. Um, and it's not to say that again, like I was a little kid and I didn't believe, but yeah. I, I sat around with the guilt. And when my dad left, when I was like seven, something like that, he let us celebrate Christmas like secretly. He also let me like hang out with worldly kids whenever he had me on the weekends and shit. But I remember celebrating a couple of Christmases and then I just sat there with that existential dread that was associated with like, what if because I celebrated Christmas, I don't get into paradise earth. Like I really hadn't done anything to get disqualified. So I went and I confessed my sins to my mom and she didn't even trip. Yeah. 
like nine or ten yeah. years old. When I was baptized, like, so anybody can really baptize you. Any Christian can baptize you in the Church of Christ. It doesn't have to be the actual preacher. Yeah. And so, like, that was always the thing is, you know, like, I want my dad to baptize me. Almost like, you know... Yeah. Like this kind of like family thing, right? Sure. Well, I'm laying in bed one night and he's on a business trip. He traveled a lot when I was at that age. And I was like, I have to be baptized right now. And my dad was like, okay, well, I, you know, I'm talking to him on the phone. He's like, I get back on Thursday. Don't you think I can wait? And I was like, well, the world ends tomorrow. I'm fucking going to hell. So yeah. no, I can't wait. Like the technic, like I, there's this belief that like, yeah, there is that technicality there. Yeah. Like, and now I sit and think, like, this God that they, you know, of the New Testament, you know, when I sit there and read that, just like he was talking about Christians missing the point, mm -hmm. like, do I really think that, like, if I wasn't technically baptized, you know, two days earlier, you know, that I wouldn't make it into heaven? But at the time, I really believed that, you know, like, and mm -hmm. there was that pressure and that, like, crushing sense that, like, and then you go to school, and I'm talking with my other, you know, 13-year-old friends, and I'm talking about, you know, like, getting baptized and all this stuff, and they are like, what are you talking about? Like, I'm just really <laughs> mad at my mom. She wouldn't buy me a Hollister sweater. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah. what's going on? Just that, like, depth and that sense of dread that you're talking about. I think having that at such a young age, you know, like you're talking about, it just fucks you up. And I don't know if you've got you guys have seen um, or like like comedy at all. There's a special on Netflix. <laughs> Definitely not this bitch over here. What? <laughs> stand up. I like stand up. He doesn't up. like jokes. Yeah. Uh, what? <laughs> Kristen Lee is my boy. Her name is Hannah Gatsby. Maybe I don't mm -hmm. remember, but she recently came out with like her last stand up special where she was like, "I'm not doing this anymore," and she talks about what happens when you soak children in shame mm -hmm. and like how that affects their development and their uh, like cognitive abilities and everything. And I've just like, so when you talk about, you know, like depression mm. and is this a chemical thing that you've just had since you were born? Like, fuck, no, it's not. I yeah. know where it came from. Yeah. Mm -hmm. You know, that kind of thing. Huh. Yeah. They, they do. They put this monkey on your back from a very early age, even though again, it's later on that you get accepted. But I think that's kind of an indictment of like how serious of an undertaking it is. Once you get to be like close to the age of consent for sure. things, then they start thinking about you making that dedication to being like an active member of the congregation yeah. instead of a kid. Like it's a yeah. coming of age in sure. many ways. Have but, you, oh, sorry. But yeah, I, I just, I, I think overwhelmingly um, adherence. Now, if somebody gets something out of adherence to one of these rigid structures and it doesn't negatively impact somebody, then I'm not saying that they're, they're probably not packing the monkey around on that yeah. But if you are inherently incapable of lying to yourself if you don't believe it because that's what it amounts to and there's a lot of that that goes on along the way is lying to yourself like fake it until you make mm -hmm. it type shit um it is this monster that just grows and grows and grows and you don't know how to i mean it presented in it. me in like a like manic episode really? where i was like diagnosed as bipolar and they tried to put me on have me take lithium yeah which at you know, I wasn't I, even I don't 25. Know what that does, oh, so lithium is like 
an intense fucking psychotic drug. Really? Like yeah. fucking it's intense. Really like strong. I would have to like to put me on it before I'm even 25 is like unheard of. Like I would have to go in and like routinely have like my blood tested because it's so toxic Good. like that yeah. my kidneys up. should yep. could should start shutting down. Absolutely. And you'll yeah. be down. Yeah. Really? Yeah, yeah, too much lithium will accumulate in your system and you get poisoned and you'll like yeah. lose your bodily functions and Yeah. But it was I wasn't bipolar. I was trying to continue to like, you know, just like you were talking about, I'm trying to reconcile these things and, you know, like refuse to believe what I know I believe, you know, like I'm trying to lie to myself. I'm maintaining two sip two separate identities and two separate people and you know as soon as i try to push them together then like how does that even work you know like who am i what which parts of these are truly my personality and me and who i am and what parts come from you know my desire to adhere to this structure or my desire to rebel from this structure do you do you feel like you figured it out now um, you're still unpacking the shit, aren't yeah, you? Yeah, yeah. Like, like I unpacking. haven't. It, so it was 2015 yeah, when I officially officially left. Like it's, and it takes a couple of years for it to really hit you because the first couple of years is kind of just like it goes back and forth between this. You know, like I'm afraid I'm going to go back, but I also feel like this extreme euphoria to be free. Yeah. yeah. And there's a song lyric. It's a stupid cheesy song, but please be Snoop Dogg. <laughs> no, Kalula. I don't think it's Snoop Dogg. She's going to be like, bitches ain't shit, but huh? yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'd be like, whoa. Brandon, that's two times. You got to escort him out. <laughs> yeah. But it's cool. like uh, the f- curse of being free is that you end up where you don't mean to be. And like, it's yeah. a super cheesy mm. lyric, but it's one of those things that's like, I have to constantly be figuring out, like, you know, who I am and what's the basis for these actions. And like, because I don't want to just end up in this life that, you know, I don't. You know where know where it came from. Yeah. You know, like I don't know how I got to this point. I think that, and it does it 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 profoundly like like she was saying the euphoria that's associated yeah. with us. Like I think that we also go out into the world with some naivete as well. Absolutely. Like we are again like we we embody extremes because yeah. we're wide open. In many ways, we have to learn to walk mm-hmm. again because we're we're taking it to the. The big stage. Yeah. We've been in this little cutoff insular environment, and now we're stepping out into the real world. And golly, it, that in and of itself, that shock is enough to throw one's body chemistry into chaos. Yeah. Much less My weight all has the yeah all fluctuated the, up and down drastically throughout this whole process. Like yeah, yeah, it's going to affect everything. everything. And the thing is, like, how old are you now? I'm twenty six. Twenty six. No, like, yeah. I think 26. No, you're not old enough to be forgetting that shit. Yeah. <laughs> I should have been. Yeah, I'm huh? 26. No, I'm 25. I'm 25. Yeah. Okay. 25. Well, the, you know, the whole thing with figuring your life out, figuring yourself out, like, it gets even harder as we get older. There's yeah. just more shit just starts happening. And, and then you like, get to a point where you just give a fuck less and less. Yeah. And that's, yeah, and take yourself less point. seriously. Yeah. Like you're just like, eh. and that's kind of the point where I'm at now, where it's just like all this other stuff. Like, it's nice to talk about it, and there are productive ways to talk yeah, about yeah. it, and constructive ways to debate different issues. But at the end of the fucking day, you'd rather be right, happy than right. Happy yes, than right. like I'm 
like like I said at the beginning, like life is fucking hard, and I, you know I'm just looking for ways to like help that make help help other people make that easier, and you know compassion, empathy, like that. Those are really my only two things I that I hope to achieve. Too, in you my, telling your story and yeah. doing this and just unpacking it, like you're doing a lot of help. You're yeah. doing a lot of help. Um, and that's a struggle too, even, you know, like, you know, whenever I sent you that message initially and you're like, why don't you come on the podcast yeah. and talk about it? And then, you know, the, I go through these things where I'm like, my story really isn't that cool. Like I didn't, you know, this wasn't really a big deal. Like all this kind of stuff. It's not really important, blah, blah, blah. And then, you know, like I'll remember, you know, like my therapist being like, yeah, I have a couple other people that are leaving the church of Christ and they're going through it right now and stuff like that. And, you know. Yeah, and and I've never gone and sought therapy. I really haven't had a desire to mm-hmm. in any way. Um, mine was very oppressive at the time because you're just socially isolated. Yeah. But um, once out of that, mine careened out of control in the direction of like, I'm entitled to do whatever the fuck I want to, whenever the fuck I want to. Mm-hmm. So I've been a kid in a candy store legit from we'll say it in a meaningful way, like from 14 to now. So the past 20 years, I've been man-childing it the fuck up. Mm-hmm. And there gets a point where that's normative and that's fun, but you have to reassess your value system. As a grown-ass man, like, you... If I hadn't endured that, I think I would have outgrown the shit by now, certain mm-hmm. elements of it, and been at a different place as far as priorities and shit are concerned. So it it put me behind um, maturity level-wise a little bit because my priorities are more towards, and have been, towards things that don't make me money, don't uh, aren't tangible, like experience. But they help you sleep at night. They do help me sleep at night, but I just blow, you know, I and I make enough to to make it, but I also am like, I don't deprive myself dumbass shit mm-hmm. that I want because I'm like, you know what? Fuck it. I was. Right. I went through this when I. I didn't even get Christmas when I was little. Mm-hmm. You can kiss my ass. I'm buying some oysters tonight, yeah. and that is a ne- that can manifest itself negatively. Mm-hmm. Like when you're trying to communicate with another human being, it's you don't realize that that is subtly lingering. Um, again, and we, me being a social worker, I, I sleep well at night. Yeah, I say yeah, I sleep yeah. well at night about that stuff. But you have to be careful with that kind of job because you end up with a savior complex to mm-hmm. a degree, and and you couple that with this unruliness that the you know being liberated so to speak yeah. from religion had brought me, it can really rear its head in some ways that you like expect somebody to just recognize how valuable your fucking time is, yeah. mm-hmm. and and it's in I've preached it a million times acceptance. Regarding certain things, this isn't across the board, but yeah. acceptance instead of expectation goes a long way when, when we're talking about interpersonal communication. Yeah. So when you put these expectations, like she and I, what we've been through, it alters the way that our interpersonal interactions uh, foster expectations with other individuals even, mm-hmm. or it has for me. And uh, Well, and my biggest thing that I've been thinking a lot too, even just in the last six months or so, is so, you know, 
in the church, you have this value system that your life adheres to and you're held accountable for that by the church. Well, now that I'm out of the church and I'm not held accountable by anybody but myself, I have to hold myself accountable. So I can't sit here and say that like, you know, compassion and empathy and like, you know, like reaching out to people and I have, I feel strongly in like tending to the garden you can touch. Right. Just the thing is, it's like, actively reaching out to the things that are in front of you that you can help but if i don't actually fucking follow that up with anything then i'm a hypocrite just the same as these christians who don't follow what they say believe they believe and so learning to hold yourself accountable to what you believe is really hard because you know like Mm -hmm. you know like what tom and i were talking about then today like i come home at the end of the work day and like i'm tired i want to like watch Orange is the New Black and go to bed. You know, I don't want to go out and volunteer somewhere. I don't want to call up a friend who I know is struggling. You know, like, I want to take that vacation in October. I don't want to, you know, lend somebody who's struggling, you know, that 300 bucks. Like, trying to make sure that you're your own... Uh, like judge and jury, I guess. Like, well, and and I'll say again, it intensifies it even more when you when that element's built into your profession. When mm-hmm. you got free time, you're like, "Fuck you, yeah. fuck <laughs> you." If you don't like me the way I am, you can yeah. kiss my ass because I do this, I do that, I went <laughs> through this, and it's a really difficult thing because, I, and I'll be honest with you, I'm not. If 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 I'm 100 percent honest with myself. I don't really care about that many people as far as social interaction is concerned. Mm -hmm. I care about people in theory, but I just don't need a whole lot of friends. And I don't know if that's part of like me just being used to social isolation or whatever, but I'm, I'm very particular about who I'm fucking friends with. But that's that's a good thing. Yeah, it it is a good thing, but it makes me the people that get me, Mm -hmm. the people that we just mesh I don't have to explain and that there's really been very little explanation about who I was. It's just clicked and it's mm-hmm. continued to click anybody else. Somebody can be perfectly well-intentioned. They just don't speak the same language as me. Yeah. Yeah. I run in trouble with that a lot at work, especially with like older women. Yeah. So I'm very just like direct and forward and you know, like I'm You're gonna saying, make a great accountant. I'm saying what I'm saying. <laughs> <laughs> I'm saying what I'm saying. And then like some people that, you know, if I'm not like, you know, shitting rainbows in their face, like, while I'm trying to explain something, then they think I'm yelling at them, and I'm mean, and I'm just like, we're just not communicating in the same way, like... Right, and and you you have to... And and that's another thing as well, is after you get to that point, being the person, or being one of the people, Mm -hmm. hopefully, that's able to objectively be like, okay, how could I have better met you where you were at? You know, I have to reassess that constantly. Like you can be direct and be nice at the same time. Like, and you can try to think about like how your words sound like, and be mindful of your facial expressions and your body language when you're communicating with people and like all that Mm. kind of stuff. Yep. It's funny language and me being in, in technology, like I've been told multiple times, whether it's by bosses or other friends that are in tech, like technology doesn't care about your emotions. Yeah. And like, and I typically don't either. If we're, if we're trying to solve a problem right. and there's something that needs to get done, like I don't have our time egos to cater don't, around, yeah. our ego, yeah. there's you no know. place for our egos when, yeah. when this kind of thing is going on. And so I totally get what you're saying, but, um, to, and I play rough too. Like uh, I also yeah. play rough because like, I feel like maybe I've been 
you know, banged around, scratched up a little sure. bit. So whenever I come around other people that I feel like get it and are totally capable, I roughhouse them, you know, yeah. verbally. And, it, you know, we talk mad shit to each other. But I think that that's one of the fundamental bases for our relationship mm-hmm. is that we can say whatever jack to each other and the other person's like, well, whatever. You yeah. know, I don't give a fuck what you say. Mm-hmm. I love you, but you can shut your bitch ass mouth. Yep. Up. My circle yep. is very small. That's good. And, like, I've evolved to a point where I like it that way, you know, because I just, like, not so much I don't have the time, I don't have the energy mm-hmm. to Everything deal energy, with people that can't, like, you know, that don't understand me, that I have, like, or don't get the you. way that I communicate, yeah. and I have to spend, like, all this time, like, backtracking or spending time making sure that I, you know, decorate this sentence with flowers so that they don't get upset, like... All that kind of stuff, like, I just don't have time for it. I don't have time for people, like, I don't want to say bad people, that, but people that don't have the same priorities as me and people that get caught up in, like, these superficial things that at the end of the day don't matter or oh, yeah. and people that sucks. I can't talk about this stuff to, yeah. like. Well, and, and there, it it would stand to reason. Like, if, if we're looking at things in really abstract terms, that these frameworks are fucking everywhere and they don't necessarily reside under a uh, a cross or anything that's even the slightest modicum religious. People adhere to all kinds of frameworks like uh, body image, thing, mm-hmm. uh, concepts of beauty. People yeah. adopt things of that nature as, as what would amount to religion. Mm-hmm. And it has, I feel like the same, it's going to have the same chemical profile that's, in your brain. That's the, that's one of the, Sort of things I want to say is that like when I when I believe that like and I think Doctor Die made me think this like everything is like chemicals they're just different you know what I'm saying yeah. so like for some people and we saw it with uh, you know people who will who were addicted to drugs and then go hard into church it's just you're substituting one thing for right. another or food or food or whatever it is yeah and so what I was uh, belligerence, huh? Belligerence. Oh <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> do you do you think that there is something that has filled that void, that chemical void that church kind of filled? It's just the good parts, other not, than not the reefers the, and the dancing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The, yeah, the macarena and weed. Jesus. Yeah. Um. Like, is there some other? And and I don't think that it's a bad thing to have some some of those other stuff. Like a good circle of friends. Like you said, you audited your circle. Like when you, in my opinion, when you audit your circle, the you don't need anyone in there. You just want them, well, and so that makes those connections a whole lot better. Something she said earlier that was really dope was the. Tend the garden you can touch. Yeah, I love that actually. I was just like, that's not that? like an original thing. Right, for me. right. No, we're just going to tag you. But for it. the sake of the discussion, I think it makes an enormous amount of sense. Yes. And, and and I think that we we really harp on the notion of spreading ourselves too thin and having a finite number of fucks, fucks to, to give, give yeah. and that our energy, like sympathy vampirism, where people will actively seek for you to accommodate their feelings and that drains you of your own energy. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, but Fuck! I really don't know where I was going with this, but well, but I'll, I'll, yes, so like what you, you were talking about, like so, filling that void uh-huh. for a little while, I did try to fill that void. There was like, sorry, keep touching uh-huh. the mic. Uh-huh. There was like weed, 
you know, that kind of filled that. And the lifestyle of that, I started, like, buying research books. And I was, like, learning about the plants and learning about the chemicals and how they process through your body. And then I saw my first therapist, and she was really kind of into the whole, like, hippie chakra, like, all that kind of stuff. And so I really, like, poured myself into that for a little while. And eventually I just kind of was like, all right, at the end of the day, no matter what it is, I'm exhausted. Hmm. And I'm trying not to be exhausted anymore. Wow. And so wow. if I had to say that there was something in my life that filled the place of that church, like that whole, I would say, no, I'm trying to like sew up that hole. Like gotcha. I'm not trying to refill it. I'm trying to, you know, like we were talking about neuroplasticity. I'm trying to rewire it and like, you know, put things that should have been there that should have been there from the beginning, like self-confidence and it's work and yeah yeah and yeah, it is hard work time, yeah. and like you know that's equally as exhausting and that's why i like you know like i wasn't therapy for a long time i eventually just had to be like look i need to take a break because yeah. emotionally i can't yeah. i can't handle this right now you're like i got school i got work i got um this cpa exam like i have all these things like i don't yeah. have any energy left for this and even if i wasn't that busy i still don't have any emotional energy left for this so it is a like come and go thing and i feel some guilt sometimes for just kind of you know going through life without taking any time to deal with that stuff but i think like it's also important to take some time and not deal with it because you know like a lot of people who take medications for depression most of the time, the goal should be to take it to get you to a point where you can work on it mm-hmm. and not to just, okay, now you, now you take Zoloft and that's just your life now. Yeah. Like that's not supposed to be the objective there. Mm-hmm. And so taking time off from therapy, taking time off from like other thing, like even discussions like this sometimes, yeah. like sometimes I'm like, I can't talk about that today. Yeah, guys. Yeah, like yeah, I yeah. just can't even, you know, handle it. I think that's like taking a Zoloft like I just need a break emotionally from it and then we can get back to work and that time that you take away from it that's your time to experience it yeah and so it's just like what I've said before when you're ready to learn life's lessons life's teachers will appear but when you're ready to experience those lessons life's teachers will disappear and I think that when those teachers disappear that's the time where you're putting the shit that you've learned to action and you're hopefully growing from it. Yeah. But in the in the sake of time and everything like that, um, I want to thank you for, for coming in and talking about this. And I want to also say that because of where you are in your journey right now, I want us to be able to keep in touch with you. Yeah. Oh, for to, sure. Yeah. That yeah was awesome. this well, is, I appreciate you guys something. having me on here. Oh, uh, yeah. I feel well, so cool. Like a celebrity <laughs> it wasn't or so something. bad, was it? Like, <laughs> no, you were like yeah, anxious, and then once we get to yeah. talking, you're like, yeah. Kalu just hawked a loogie in a bag. I can say whatever I want. <laughs> yeah, I know. I well, know. and a part <laughs> of the nervousness, too, is, you know, like the past three people on the, like, I'm the first, like, non christian yeah you know like that you guys have had in the faith and religion like series since a fat so yeah that was no, kind of part of it that but hail yeah. people <laughs> <laughs> people need to hear more stories like this and i think that it would help both sides mm-hmm. because if if a lot of people in the church knew about the type of damage that happens to people I when they would rethink the way that they approach them. Yeah, yeah. And, and, yeah exactly and that was one of the things that adam said it was like the delivery is just off you know like yeah. The message is there, but how we sort of get that message 
needs to be we, improved. And, and religion isn't a static thing. And, exactly. and within within a one to one context, treating it as, as a static thing is super duper negative. destructive. Yeah, it is extremely dude. destructive. Um, so, oh, sorry. Give me what the hell? Okay, sorry. I just got something that popped up on my phone. Just freaked me out for a second. But uh, <laughs> gotta stay off those websites. Huh? God damn it! Yeah, you got a virus. <laughs> sorry. Bitch. Um, but again, I, I I definitely want to thank you. Do we have any shameless shout outs or anything like that? Um, always shameless shout out to Tyler. What Young. did he do this week? Grade eight performance. Uh, he went and trained. Oh, he was just working out. Yeah, okay. he went and trained. I, I can't recall. Where there it was, was like they were he doing, was doing panning doing, his camera, and there was a Xena looking lady. Like she was like stepping on the. It was the warrior princess. Was it was a warrior? Now she was a Valkyrie, bro. Like, well, yeah. I was like, holy crap, dude. When Tyler was doing strong Oompa Loompa shit over there, yeah, he was. He was. Shout out, I'm a fellow Oompa Loompa (laughs) son. But uh, yeah, shout out to him at Grade Eight Performance. He's got a whole lot on his plate right now. Um, If you need something meaningful, uh, he's working on making better human beings across the board, Mm -hmm. and he's pretty capable individual so hit him up if he's got the time uh jump on it because it's highly sought after yeah that's what's up um i definitely want to give a shout out to uh medicine uh (laughs) (laughs) because yeah because uh i I usually don't like taking anything you take some testing huh no, I took, I don't know the name of it, but um, I took a couple. You ate a bunch things. of Corsetin, didn't you? Uh, no, but I uh, took a couple things and I'm starting to get rid of all the shit that's here. And uh, shout out to people who make medicine, except for the fuckers that make the really bad stuff. Like meth. Yeah. Like, uh, they, like I don't know if anybody ever refers to their meth as they medicine, but yeah, you know what I mean? But uh, <laughs> <laughs> sorry. Uh, shout out to uh, Josh Biggs at Fuel Nutrition. Um, uh, the macros are now on the menu. I had to fix that part, uh, so I did their website. And so, um, the macros are now on the menu. So go over there and order yourself some stuff so you can see you exactly been what's on there. You I know, been dude. Though. I know it. I know it. I messed up, and uh, I'm trying to be a better person. I swear to God, <laughs> Linus. Uh, you man, which <laughs> <you're laughs> I swear to God, if you wouldn't wear them adorable ass cargo shorts, though, I swear. You know, that. my wife gives me shit for wearing cargo <laughs> shorts, but I think they're efficient. So. <laughs> To all you ladies purse out there, get you a man. Get you a man that wears With cargo shorts. Wears purse pants, huh? They aren't purse pants. Yeah, they. Do you is. know how much shit I can fit in I here, know, bro? Like all your medicines, <laughs> and, <laughs> and for your sick ass. <sighs> oh, sorry. Um, I want to give a shout to uh, um, Bartley Weaver. He actually just beat Randy Santel's competitive eating record. He ate this massive crepe. I think it's crepe tr- plate or something yeah, like that. It was a- Giant-ass uh, Yeah, I was like, man, that's so awesome. So uh, congratulations to him on that. I want to give a shout-out to JP at Hefty Lefty Club Works. Uh, if you want to get your golf clubs and shit like that worked on, please go and hit him up. He does custom work. He does go- uh, club repair. He is the man for all that kind of stuff. Uh, Ryan Hines, I, I think I said it, but CEO underscore Oxology Labs on Instagram. He's got a great pre-workout supplement. Um, and then I think he now has his fat burner. I think that is out. Um but jump on his website or shoot him a message and get that information from him. Brandon, do you have any shameless shout outs? No, I mean, not really. I've just been doing a lot of research this w- past weekend. So. On what? I uh, 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 learned about cannibals and serial killers and stuff like that. I mean, uh, different stories from what this. What the, why I know, is he like I know this? Because he, you fit to fucking profile. I know, you old you really Bundy ass motherfucker. Did you know that serial killer or that uh, cannibals won't eat clowns? 
because it tastes funny. That is the worst. You're the, that's the worst dad hit joke. Hit him. Hit him in the face. <laughs> You're closer. That's the worst dad joke. You're fucking closer. Hit him I'm in the face. I'm hit him with this loogie bag is what I'm going to do. <laughs> oh, that is so bad. Yeah. Oh, and then I, I did see something about a girl who had the, like 12 tits or something. That uh, one's weird, doesn't it? <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> Dude. Oh, he said doesn't it? I just want everybody that's listening to know that we have anything to do oh, with the shit man. that just came out of his mouth. Why are you this way? We, but you know, I guess if you're gonna run board for us, you can say some <laughs> wild shit every once in a while. Carly, do you have any shameless shout outs? Um, I guess I'll just say my husband, Tom, yeah. for being uh, probably the first person to ever like show me like. I don't know, like what love is supposed to actually look that's like, and kindness and compassion. What that's supposed to actually—that's awesome. You know what behaviors exemplify that? So. How does he get his voice so deep? I don't know, but it's hot. Huh? I'm I said like, I don't know, but it's hot. When I first met him, I was—he—he talked. I was like, God damn! Like, I know <laughs> this dude's got the deep voice. But one podcast I was going to ask you if you've heard of. Um, it's called the Losing Our Religion podcast. Have you heard of that? No, I haven't. But that reminds me. Mm-hmm. So you go first, and then I'll. Oh no, I was just going to say that. Oh no, like, I haven't one heard of, of it, yeah. I I went through a phase where I was just wanting to learn about mm-hmm. people who have stepped away from the church, and I, this was probably <coughs> in like 2015, 2016. And so I listened for a good couple of months to this guy. Yeah. He was a former uh, mega church preacher, mm-hmm. and he was just like, I can't keep, I can't do this anymore, and like stepped away. It started this podcast, and this dude was making like six figure salary. Right. Was like killing the game, which is hilarious because I like know. preacher on a six figure salary, damn son. Yeah, but, taxes um, and churches. Yeah, mm-hmm. and uh, so, but he went through, and he's just he was talking about that, and he would go and interview a bunch of people, and I was gonna say that if you want a podcast recommendation, that one is really really good. No, I'll for sure look into yeah. it. I was also gonna mention um, there's a podcast that I listen to called The Mormon and the Meth Head. What? And it's by these two people. They're comedians, Jess Reed and Aaron Woodall. Uh-huh. And uh, Aaron, the dude, was raised in uh, the Mormon church uh-huh. and left. And Jessa pretty much had like the exact opposite life experience. Like she like consciously chose to be, you know, like live a life yeah. of meth addiction. And like, so then they're both kind of coming back together and like learning how to adapt to life. That's awesome. Um, through a bunch of different things. You have, have to have an open mind to some of the stuff they say they sometimes listen to our show, they, they, say should, they should be some just fine yeah. crazy stuff sometimes but they unless they just listen to our show to make themselves angry on a yeah. sunday or yeah. a monday <laughs> for real yeah. for but. real all right guys thank you all so so much for listening and taking your time for for this um this is something that i 100% believe that many many people out there are thinking and they're questioning things about their faith and existence and just having questions in general. And uh, I think 100% that that's healthy. And I think that everyone should take time to just figure shit out. Um, and I'm, I'm just very thankful that you, Carly, were able to come on and just and bear it all for us, man, because Thanks that's again. like, that's huge. Uh, and so um, we aren't saying that any of the churches are bad. I, I like. I sum up more. I'm not. I'm not saying no that any of them are bad. I think that bad people are in them, are in a lot of them. Um, I think that they serve a utility for some people and they don't for others. 
Um, I, like I said, I found my peace when I stepped away from it. I feel and like, so, I, and I will say, um, I, I make accommodation for that environment. I also make accommodation for the human race eventually replacing religion with just like social ties. Eth- I can see ethics, it happening. It just feels science. very primitive sometimes. Yeah, yeah, I can see it happening. Absolutely. Like the, it, even the thinking of, uh, if, if you don't believe in God, then what's preventing you from going out and doing whatever you want? I'm like, because like, I don't want to kill anyone. Right. Yeah, I'm just not a piece of shit. Yeah, general. nothing is preventing me. Like, right. yeah. And so that's the, and, and I want to stress the, how good it is to feel free. And, um, and I mean, it's it both, both ways. It yeah. It's letting it, go of the edge of the pool. Yeah. I'm, and I mean, for both camps, I mean, people who are free to not have to go to a church or not have to feel anything like that without reservation, or without feeling like there's any sort of pressure and the people who are in the religions who are free to to do their thing and not be judged or anything like that but at the very center of all of it do no harm right that's what we always tell people do no harm do what you want feel what you want believe what you want but don't hurt other people and uh, I think if we took that same mentality with the discussions that people have when we're talking about religion of not doing harm to one another then it only in my opinion it only leaves us open to learn and to grow and to you know have a society where we can all coexist like like the little you know the bumper sticker thing that that's out there but truthfully we can all coexist and be just fine who told you about that clue i saw why it somewhere. you you did not shut up uh, you're right you a liar. <laughs> but uh that being said we're out of here guys we love you thanks for everything and hey my birthday's on the 7th so we're gonna do a birthday episode are we i'm gonna go to ahop Boy, oh no! He will fight him, over bro. Like, he's te- he's team Waffle sell, House, and he knows gotcha. they sell hair there now. What? No, I you Extin- better sh- <laughs> extensions. Get the- we're out. I'm done. I'm God. fucking done. We're Fuck out. Say your thing. Just say your thing. Peace. <laughs>